Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck down here once again, as we do each and every Tuesday week at the beautiful Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located right here in Pittman, New Jersey. Dr. Frey, how you doing so far? I'm doing great, Jason. Yourself? Yeah. Busy week? Oh, man. Yeah. 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 You know, and it, it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you don't want to complain about being very busy and be, being busy at work. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we've been, you know, inundated and, and um, just, just doing my best to keep my head above water. Yeah. In, I think, three or four of our 52 episodes that we've put out so far, we've covered the shoulder. Right. And we've covered a few different, you know, kind of conditions, right? We, we did the anterior subluxation yep. with Baker Mayfield. Yep, very standard injury. You see it all the time. And then, you know, one of our first couple episodes was a back-to-back with Fernando Tatis where we were talking about the posterior subluxation. A little more of an unusual injury, made yeah. for great uh, yeah. banter. Right. And then, you know, we did the rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. Um, standard stuff. S- scapular fractures, well, I guess a little not standard. Not standard <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Really, really cool that we were able to do that one. Yeah. But I think in a couple... You know, in, in some of the other ones, a slap tear came up and gotta, gotta we com- avoided it because it's like, hey, that's going to be a great topic in itself. Right. Got to right. complete the fellowship now, though. Like- right. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to tonight's episode where we may not have the exact athlete that's currently dealing with a slap tear, but right. a very prominent injury in sports. Despite it being baseball season. Right. right? Interesting. Mm-hmm. And-, and we comb through them. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we look through the headlines. We look through the injury reports and. You know, whether or not they're just listed as a labral tear or a slap tear. And, I, and that's where it's tough, right? Yeah. And I think that's what happens, right? First, yeah. first, in general, nowadays with the respect of HIPAA and privacy and whatnot, the information isn't always as readily available, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, number two, I think sometimes the the subtleties of the injury gets lost in, in the message uh, or gets lost in the article. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, if, if it was a slap tear, it gets lumped into labrum, standard right. labrum. Right. Um, and, and there's they're, they're, they're different injuries. Yeah. Technically same structure, but very yeah. different injuries. Well, kick it off for us then. Let's talk about what, you know, and we've gone over what the labrum is, but why don't right. you recap that for us? So yeah, the, the short version, and I will actually try to keep it short, is yeah. that the labrum is like a rubber gasket that goes around the socket of the ball and socket joint of the shoulder and kind of deepens the socket. It's thought to act a little bit of as a bumper to kind of keep the ball centered on the socket. I think there's certainly a suction suction Mm -hmm. cup effect there. It's um, pretty subject to injury because there's a lot of mobility in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So that ball slides around a little bit in the, within the socket. So yeah, la- labrums yeah. get, they, they get banged up yeah. all the time. And for those that are listening that maybe don't know, when we talk about a slap tear, right. S-L-A-P, that's an acronym for what? For a superior labrum, anterior to posterior. Mm-hmm. So it's a t- superior being top and uh, labrum is, you know, what we just described, anterior to posterior is front to back. So, so that's, kind of a silly name to be honest with you a descriptive tear where the labrum peels up or peels off the top of the socket Mm -hmm. um, right across the top and it typically it's front to back right across the top and sometimes they're uh, more torn towards the front sometimes they're more torn towards the back sometimes it's all the way across the top and you had mentioned you know be you know being that we're in the middle of baseball season and we typically hear about these. Right. But they can they can happen in other places, right? Heck but, yeah. But how do they occur? By and large, and the topic most appropriate for what we're talking about yeah. in, in a sports medicine podcast is um, kind of the repetitive 
overuse injury mm -hmm. frequently seen in overhead throwing athletes mm -hmm. uh, pitchers uh, probably the most common yeah. certainly quarterbacks and certainly you know really any any other uh, athlete that has some overhead uh, activity mm -hmm. there's a whole pathogenesis as to, as to why that happens and I'm going to try to get into some of it but the truth is I'm also potentially going to lose some people in the weeds as we go down <laughs> that that rabbit hole but the other two common ways of this happening are one is sort of this traction injury in the classic version of that would be you know somebody's coming down the steps and they miss the step and they grab the railing uh, as they slide down a couple steps and their arm kind of gets pulled mm. up and out and that's a you get this traction injury of the biceps tendon which comes and it attaches right to the top of that labrum partly attaches to the top of the labrum partly attaches to the top of the glenoid the superglenoid tubercle it, it pops or pulls the labrum partially mm. off of its attachment onto the top of the glenoid. And then the other mechanism, um, which may be the most common to be honest with you, but the other mechanism would be direct compression. So fall on an outstretched hand where somebody mm -hmm. has their arm up as they're falling and their arm hits the ground and it drives their shoulder back, kind of back and up into the labrum and it could cut, peel off kind of the, mm -hmm. the back superior part in yeah. that manner. I saw a study was done regarding NFL players right. between I think it was 2000 and 2014. Right. And it was something like 3% of all the shoulder injuries that were reported. It's pretty low. Yeah. So yeah. All, of all the shoulder injuries in the NFL in that 15 years was a slap tear. Right. And actually 28% of them were all offensive linemen. Yeah, it's the uh, mechanism. So it's that putting your hand out, mm -hmm. you know, preventing that bull rush here from coming in. It's almost like a fall in an outstretched hand. Just the exact same thing. Right, yeah. right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. The other thing about slap tear and one of the reasons why, why, and we'll get more into it, but one of the reasons why, you know, we may not know more about it is sometimes people do pretty well with it. Sometimes they don't like, like it's, 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 it's a, a little huge bit, question I have yeah, for you yeah, tonight. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. So how do they present to you uh, in the exam room? Yeah. So, so what is, the, what is the number one complaint that you typically hear? So typically it's this, it's this deep shoulder pain, kind of mm. achy, can't pinpoint it vague mm -hmm. but deep shoulder pain mm -hmm. sometimes occasionally this is one of the few things with most shoulder injuries it's pretty rare to have any numbness or tingling yeah. into the hand um, typically people think they've hurt their shoulder but it's really a problem in their neck if they start having some numbness tingling in the hand but this is actually one of the ones that sometimes it is associated with listen back to episode one week ago with the thoracic outlet <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right and that's a whole nother yeah. beast uh yeah so it's this deep achy pain and then in this scenario let's say let's say it is a pitcher mm -hmm. Lots of times it's, I can't warm up. That's kind of the classic statement. It's mm -hmm. just like, it's tight. I just can't yeah. warm up. It's not right. There's um, what we call a slap prodrome mm -hmm. where, where they haven't had the slap event in there. Again, there's a sort of a constellation of symptoms associated with that. The constellation of the, of, of, of the mechanism of injury for an uh, over overhead throwing athlete that winds up having people say like, I can't really locate anymore. Mm -hmm. I've lost velocity. Yeah. I have this heaviness. I can't warm up. And that's the prodrome, kind of this mm -hmm. dead arm syndrome that people mm -hmm. have talked about, um, which which people, you see dead arm syndrome and in, in other injuries as yeah. well. But then frequently they'll hear a pop. Mm -hmm. Not every time. Frequently you hear a pop or all of a sudden there's a more painful moment on one pitch or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And it's usually late cocking. All of a sudden things get much worse after that. And then they really, they, they kind of, anytime they start to try to throw, they can only last, you know, you know 12 pitches, 15 mm -hmm. pitches, or they're really struggling. The pain is a lot worse. The frustrating part is 
90% of their lives otherwise or 95% of their lives right. otherwise, they're fine. It's right. just that there's certain right. things you can't do. I can tell you from experience, the, the number one thing I always saw was what you just touched on, the, the lack of velocity. Right. Suddenly that fastball drops six Ominous, miles right? an hour. And then I, I guess the only difference is most of the people I always saw would, would kind of indicate pain like almost like bicep tendon. Well, that's the other one. You're right. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I, you know, it, my fastball's down and like, well, where's the body? It's like, I, I guess like here, here right, you know, right, right. exactly. And, uh, they don't know. I mean, it's not like a pinpoint thing, but like they indicate, you know, you do some of those orthopedic tests and yeah. which are what, I mean, could you touch on, you know, the orthopedic tests you use for, right. you know, for, for you at least to, so, so initiate an MRI, I guess. In answering that question, yeah. um, part of it is, uh, just like you said, describing the fact that the biceps tendon, yeah. two heads of the biceps, the long head and the short head. The uh, short head goes and attaches right to like this little finger sort of structure mm -hmm. on the front of your scapular coracoid, a uh, little bony finger looking structure. And then the long head goes right up the front of your arm, basically front of the arm and takes a little 90 degree turn and dives right into the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And it attaches to the top of the labrum, about half of it to the top of the labrum, half of it to the actually right onto the, the glenoid, the top of the socket. So because the biceps tendon is right there, mm -hmm. because there is uh, a lot of overlap and it's sometimes a critical part of creating this injury, yeah. people will get bicep symptoms yeah. um, very associated with it. Mm -hmm. So as in, in the tests, that's one of the tests that we also look for. We, yeah. There's some tests that we use for biceps. So the standard, the gold standard test in a, in a physical exam is something called O'Brien's test mm -hmm. or active load, biceps active load. And you're checking it. And the truth is, it's positive for a lot of things, mm -hmm. but it's the best test yeah. for slap because mm -hmm. slap's kind of all over the place. Yeah. And then there's a few other different kinds of tests where you can load the, the labrum uh, or load the biceps. Um, there's something called a crank test where you're actually just kind of pushing the ball kind of into mm -hmm. the socket and rotating it back and forth. There's a test where you have your arm up to the side. It's a little bit hard to describe, mm -hmm. Arm up to arm up, kind of shoulder up 90 degrees out to the side, elbow 90 degrees. And basically you, you resist the athlete when they have their palm facing their head mm -hmm. as they try to flex their elbow mm -hmm. um, and then palm facing away and try to do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. And it, it uh, elicits more pain. So there's a, some provocative testing in terms of that. And then there's a few tests that we do for your biceps, tendon, speed and Jurgensen's are the mm -hmm. ones that everybody are you know, the, the clinical professionals generally tend to know, mm. one of which is um, the way I describe it and I'm doing it on a patient, I, was, I have I shake hands with that patient. Yeah. And then I say, all right, I'm gonna open a doorknob. I'm gonna turn my hand like I'm opening a doorknob like this and I kind of supinate and yeah. I say, you, you're gonna go the other way and we sort of fight each other. And so a lot of that resisted supination mm -hmm. is comes from the biceps and it, it'll elicit pain. And the other one is raising their whole arm up basically towards this forward flexing the shoulder, raising the whole arm up to the ceiling as I'm pushing on the, the biceps groove, the intertubercular groove, yeah. and trying to elicit some pain in there. And what makes, one of the reasons that you, we talked about thoracic outlet last, mm -hmm. last week, and, and you know I, I joked about how, how I hate thoracic outlet because it's a huge pain in the butt and it's difficult to diagnose. Yeah. Slap is a little bit of a challenge. It's not as bad yeah. as that. It's a little bit of a challenge because the tests are all over the place, the pain sort of mm -hmm. all over the place, but it's certainly easier to pin down 
than thoracic outlet. Right. Yeah, yeah. When you get to the point in the exam where you feel like you need to refer for an MRI, right? Right. The MRI is a little bit different. Yeah. Here for for uh, right. if if you're thinking slap, you need to order a special kind of MRI, right? We do. Yeah. We do. Right. So so typically we're going to start with with, with basic X-rays and yeah. get get our standard films, and you're you're looking for a couple of different things when you do those X-rays. You're looking for really other sources of pain. If it is actually a slap tear, there's nothing on that X-ray that's going to tell you it's a right. slap tear. So you're looking for other stuff. Yeah. But X-ray comes back generally looks normal that slap remains on the differential as a possibility here mm -hmm. so then we say you go through the exam you kind of go through the whole process typically it's not like okay now we're going to go do an mri usually there's therapy and they're yeah. inject like there's a whole process but then once you get to the point and if you're a professional athlete lots of times it yeah. is okay now we're going to do the mri yeah. once you get to that mri it's typically something called an mri arthrogram so they inject the shoulder with a little bit of dye before they do the study and it increases the sensitivity the possibility of picking up that tear mm -hmm. by about 10 to 15 percent over just a standard mri alone and then the other thing is that um, and we used to have to write it on scripts all the time for the radiologist uh, something called you would you would request or ask something called an ab review abduction external rotation so when they do the mri guy's arm is up and uh, mm -hmm. kind of up up and externally rotated up and out if we get into the pathogenesis of how this happens that creates a little bit of a peel back of the labrum mm -hmm. back off of the off of the socket so it too actually highlights the tear just a little bit yeah. more and nowadays if you put down on your diagnosis is what you're looking for a slap most radiology places know it, right? Mm -hmm. like, so they automatically, and you, you've ordered MRI orthogram, you put down slap, they actually just do the ABR review. Mm -hmm. I would say five years ago or eight years ago, it didn't happen. Like if you, and then, so you, you had to ask for it. And even then still sometimes it didn't happen because I don't know that everyone knew what it was. Yeah. On one or a couple previous episodes, mm -hmm. We had talked about how sometimes the MRI could cloud the algorithm for treatment, right? <laughs> yeah. You, I think if I'm not mistaken, you would kind of say, Oh, this you know, is a classic. We don't want to treat the MRI. We want to treat the symptoms, right? right. That the person's having. So That's right. I came across a study, I think it was maybe 10 to 12 years ago, where they proactively took 19 MLB draft picks. Okay. Did an MRI. Right. Seven of them had a slap tear. Yeah, yeah. Six exactly. or 16 of them. And this might be a, now a new topic, but 16 of them had labrum degeneration, right. I think it was called. Like, yeah. And basically they just said where, 16 people had uh, abnor labrum abnormalities. Yeah. But they were all 19 of them, Doc, were all asymptomatic. They're perfect. They don't need to have anything done. They They're just, asymptomatic. They've got no problems. They, they took some 18-year-old kid out of high school that got drafted. Actually, I don't know the exact ages, but they got drafted. Right. They're just going through what they think is a routine physical and right. got a shoulder MRI Look arthrogram. What we found. And they had seven with a, with a slap tear. Not benign. Not completely benign. Right. It's, sometimes you find things that aren't really there. Yeah. And, and is that so is that pretty common for this? So for a slap, actually, it is. There's mm. when, we, when we get MRIs of the knee, I, I guess I see the grade one sprain of an MCL yeah. all the time. Right. And, 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 and lots of times, that yeah, it's not even close. It's not even on the radar. Right. But, but you see it as in the report all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things that looks pretty common. So a slap tear, and there are different versions yeah. of it. So maybe, maybe let's talk yeah, about that yeah. first. So, so uh, originally described by, by Dr. James Andrews, everybody knows, and mm -hmm. in, in, um, I think 1985 and 17 uh, overhead throwing athletes. And then um, Dr. Snyder kind of made up the original classification of this, type one, two, three, and four, um, where one is just kind of framed, two is when it actually 
disconnects. Three is basically like a bucket handle tear mm -hmm. of the part of the labrum that falls into the joint, but but the labrum that's with the labrum attached or not attached. So, so three is a little bit of a could go either way. And then four is when it actually stands up into the biceps tendon. And then there has been additional modifications. I think it goes up to like 10 or 12 now. I think five goes down the front of the the glenoid into 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 a bank art tear, and then six is like another little flap, and mm -hmm. so it goes on and on, right? Yeah. A number of those, especially that that type one version where it's just fraying of the labrum, gets picked up frequently, and then sometimes you have this meniscal variant. It's just normal anatomic variant that looks like a slap tear on the MRI, mm -hmm. and then lots of times when we do arthroscopy, we put the scope in. And I would say, you know, seven out of 10 shoulders and people that are like 50, 60 yeah. years old have slap tears. Right. Usually they don't, need, they don't need to have anything done. It's, it's just right. there. It's compensatory. Like yeah. it's part of if it, it's just part of what happens with normal aging as people get a little older and stiffer. It's part of what happens to help you maintain some of your emotion. Yeah. So so that it certainly can be one of those things that misinterpreted can cause distress or concern. Mm -hmm. An athlete can begin to focus on, even though it's not particularly the issue, or be just misattribute somebody's pain to that finding when right. it's not actually the cause. Frequently, it's not. Yeah. When we go down the road of surgical intervention, yeah, is, is there some controversy here with that? Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, but this. So for me, thoracic yeah. outlet, I can't stand it. For this, yeah. this is like the fun controversy. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's all over the map, right? Yeah. And and you know maybe before we get into the the the, the, the actual surgical treatment, mm -hmm. for the kind where it's more of this traumatic variety mm -hmm. that where somebody like the football lineman, sure. the full master and chan, the, the, you know, typically you're going to go in, you try non-operative management. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work, physical therapy one, mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, then you do a surgery. Depends on the age of the patient. Mm -hmm. And then similarly, and then also making sure that that's the actual cause of your pain. Right. right? right. And then uh, similarly in an athlete, especially an overhead athlete, there's a ton of controversy, right? Which way do you go? Yeah. So some of the controversies are some of the pitfalls that exist. Now, I, didn't, I didn't get into the pathogenesis and I have a feeling I'm not going to at all. Um, because well, this, it's just- this is, this is where, because this is where my experience in baseball coupled with trying to brush up for tonight's episode, yeah. you know, start seeing the statistics right in front of me. Yeah. And I mean, they're not, it's not a glowing, no, you know, you know, number that you're like, let's just go ahead and get this done with. Right. Right. I mean, I, I mean I'm assuming that's what you're alluding to. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so, you know, higher level athletes, the highest level athletes mm -hmm. have the smallest margin for anything that's going to change the way they function. Right. Mm -hmm. Any stiffness in their shoulder, they can't quite get their arm all the way back for the, for pitching or anything like that. All of a sudden they may not be the same level of pitcher that yeah. they were previously. It's a little bit easier at a lower level to get people back. But after this surgery, frequently people will lose a little bit of motion, a little bit of external rotation. And so, so there are con many controversies in how you handle this. So, you know, the easiest answer, the most straightforward answer is mm -hmm. once we're at the surgical point, if you're going to do the surgery, right, go in and fix the torn labrum. Right. And there's a number of ways, at least from a surgical side, which I, I don't think anybody cares about. You're, you're, trying to get to that particular spot and doing your best to not injure the rotator cuff. And there are ways sometimes you can go through the muscle of the rotator cuff. There are ways you can work around the rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. There are different ways you can do it to get to that spot. And there's controversy in that from a surgical standpoint. Then if you are going to fix the labrum, there are different 
versions and ways to fix the labrum. Mm -hmm. Is it best to fix with two anchors in the back? Is it best to, to do what's called a mattress style through the, through the tendon? One in the front, one behind the biceps tendon, one in the front of the biceps tendon. The kind of general consensus is anchors that are put in front of the biceps tendon have a higher chance of mm -hmm. leading to some stiffness. So in a thrower, sometimes you want to yeah. stay away from that. And you're doing your best to repair the labrum without creating residual stiffness without right. in, impeding that athlete's ability to get their arm all mm -hmm. the way back. Once you get to the age of like 35, mm -hmm. now the whole algorithm changes again. Mm -hmm. Because if you just fix the labrum, those people, even if you're not a thrower, tend to get very, very stiff after the surgery, almost sometimes debilitatingly stiff. Mm -hmm. 35, 40 years old, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. Fixing the, the, the slap tear is not the answer. Yeah. And the way you address this particular problem is to address the biceps tendon, which is what attaches the right. labrum. There's two ways to address, so the controversy is going on, right? There's two ways to address that. Something called a biceps tenotomy or a biceps tenodesis. So tenodesis would be cutting it and attaching it back to bone. Tenotomy is just cutting it and letting it fly. Mm -hmm. People over the age of 60, typically 65, you can cut it, let it fly. And they tend to do very, very well in that age between 35 or 40 and up to 60, you probably want to try to tack it down to bone, but it's not mm -hmm. without its own little issues. And then there are different ways of tacking it down. You could tack it to soft tissue, you could tack it to bone. So then that brings up the next controversy, right? So so 50 to 60, sometimes you think about doing just a soft tissue tenodesis. I would say below the age of 50, every time, if you're gonna do tenodesis uh, bony, I tend to do bony every time. Mm -hmm. The way that I do it, and it's a very, I think, kind of simple, easy way that works very well. Uh, I kind of got bony, that bony tenodesis, sorry, bony tenodesis. Mm -hmm. But like, controversies galore, which way you're going to fit. And then the next controversy comes, well, if you release the biceps tendon, can you then fix the labrum? Cause you're not have to, you, do you have to worry about the stiffness anymore? And that's actually something we don't have definitively have the answer for. So yeah. a lot of controversies and how best to address this from a surgical standpoint. From, from an athlete's perspective that might be going through this. Yeah. You know, there was a, a study in 2016 that I have here in front of me, mm -hmm. 24 major league pitchers mm -hmm. underwent a slap tear and only 62% uh, returned to play. Right. And they, they, they kind of, how many of them were as good as they were before? It gets even lower. So okay. exactly what I was going to say. So they kind of break it down, return the play. Yeah. And then there's the return to play at the same level. Right. And there's uh, there's a lot of metrics involved yeah. in that. There's yeah. certain statistics and that number gets low, yeah. so, like shockingly low for, for somebody like me. It's like 22 ish. Yeah. And that's, I know. Yeah. And so so that that's uh, it, it can be as low. And, and it's the number is the worst for major league pitchers. Right. Mm -hmm. Like which is unfortunate. Right. Um, but but and because uh, they probably get them more so than maybe other than football linemen, probably more so than any yeah. other uh, sports athlete but right 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 the margin of error is so small but at that point you when they're when they're getting that surgery you don't they don't have too many options right they, right they're not succeeding yeah. like it's over if you mm -hmm. don't try it so it's so yeah. you're going that that yeah. road, down the road and trying i don't think those numbers would be as low and in fact i, I know they're not mm -hmm. as low for a high school right. or collegiate mm -hmm. um or someone who does other sports. There are numbers, a lot of it is like 87% success rate. People get back to what they were doing. It really depends on what they were doing. Mm -hmm. If what you were doing was throwing the balls 95 miles an hour for, you know, the the Phillies, it's not it's not 87% success rate. It's it's, yeah. it's probably more. A similar uh, a similar study um, looked at the non-surgical approach. Right. And they and they took, I think it was like 60 some professional 
pitcher. So we kind of can guess their age range at that point. Right. Going the non-surgical route, it was a return to play rate of 87% with the level, same level of competition. Now, right. there's still that significant drop, but it's around 62.5, some odd number. Right. Why even go surgical if the numbers show it's better to go non-surgical? If you can go non-surgical, that's what you do every yeah. single time. And that holds true for yeah. like the vast majority of injuries. Right. The problem is that lots of times you can't. Yeah. Um, and and um, I don't know which study you're referring yeah. to that had it with, with just therapy alone, yeah. getting those success rates. You can find studies or data to, to support both, really any any yeah. really mm -hmm. any point that you want sure. to make usually. Mm -hmm. So so it really depends on the quality of the mm -hmm. study. How big was the study? How well was the study done? And what level what level? Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, I don't think the success rate of getting back to throwing uh, for for a major league pitcher is 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 on quite that level right. non operatively. Right. One hundred percent every time you try, mm -hmm. just lots of times you don't get there, and then when you don't, then you have to go down the surgical path lane. And I guess the, the conversation completely changes pitcher versus position player. 100%. Yeah, yeah totally. And a similar study is so that the non-surgical approach for eight position players was 100% return to play. Yeah. Not the same. Again, there's that huge eight, dip. But, right. Like, uh, like that's, is that a study? Right. right. But, but I understand. 100% of the position players return to play. Right. I think it was like 50% return to same level. But right. I guess when there's just not that continuous repetitive strain. Yeah. Pitching. Right you know, different outlook. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so in, in, in reference to that, we'll yeah. talk a little bit about yeah. how this tends to happen in pitchers. And there's a little bit of controversy. There's been a few different theories along the way. The original theory, I think, floated by Dr. Andrews was that uh, during the deceleration phase of the throwing, mm -hmm. throwing motion, that uh, there's stress or pull of the biceps tendon on the labrum. That's mm -hmm. what pulls it off. And then um, Morgan and Burkhart, uh, had proposed a different mechanism. Karsman had proposed one too, but Morgan and Burkhart had proposed this this sort of cascade, mm -hmm. and we see this all the time. And we catch we, we catch baseball players with this all the time. And this is perfect time for physical therapy in the energy lab. Mm -hmm. um, but we see some there's a there's an entity called GERD, glenohumeral internal rotation deficit mm -hmm. GERD. For a pitcher to be able to throw the way they throw, if for frequently there are these adaptive changes that they can get their arm further back, their mm -hmm. shoulder can rotate further back than the average individual. And part of that is they also lose some of internal rotation. Mm -hmm. Their whole range of motion sort of shifts a little bit put further backwards in the in the overall arc of motion. And what happens, um, and I don't want to get too detailed because it's going to really drive everybody crazy, but what can wind up happening is you're going to have a certain specific injuries associated with this. You can get something called internal impingement in the back of the shoulder, which is its own little constellation of injuries. You can get what's called a repetitive injury to the posterior capsule of the shoulder, posterior inferior, which shifts the ball where, where it normally sits in the socket, a little bit back, a little bit up. And in doing so, when they when people get their arm all the way back, they have that extreme sort of GERD and extreme ex extra external rotation. The biceps tendon actually goes to a point where it's over the top medial mm -hmm. to where the glenoid is. And then it actually starts to then peel back, just like we try to do in that A review. Yeah. Peel back the, the labrum back off the top of the of the glenoid. There's a few different ways that people can get to that particular point in the constellation, but really the sort of the defining point is that posterior capsule tightness. And people will have poorly positioned shoulders, six scapula, mm -hmm. you have tight pec, um, which pulls the protracted and inferior displaced scapula forward. There's a whole different constellation, but 
the, the, the meeting point of all these different issues that could potentially happen is tight posterior capsule of the shoulder, which results in your GERD, and then send you down this pathway. If you catch someone before they've had the slap event, mm-hmm. while they've had the prodrome, right. while they're there, that's your 100% return yeah. right like yeah. like that's one you fix it you shut them down you stretch it out mm-hmm. people get better if you don't catch them at that point earlier in that pathogenesis if they've had the, the slap event if they've had the tear can they still get better and get back there with with therapy alone potentially you get some scar tissue maybe it bothers you but you can play through it mm-hmm. maybe it becomes a recurrent injury but far less likely that it's going to work from uh like a pop culture or just a you know media presence why, why don't we hear more about this? Because I think every, if we stick with baseball, everyone still fears the Tommy John. Right. Everyone in sports knows about the ACL, but right. the return seems to be a little bit higher, yeah. you know, for those two dreaded injuries. Right. But, you know, we don't really hear about the potential career ender of the slap tear. Right. Because it's, I don't know why, actually. Yeah. I think one, it's, it's a less, far less common injury overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess and, that's true. Way less common than the ACL. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is it's it's frequently fairly innocuous in mm. the in the in the average population. People walking around and doing just fine. Like, hey doc, whenever I do push-ups, my shoulder hurts. But if I don't do push-ups, I'm fine. Don't do push-ups. Right. Like like right. not an uncommon sure. scenario with the with the yeah. slap tear. And you know, I can't I can't do pull-ups. Don't do pull-ups. Yeah. So I think it's because it, it can often be pretty benign in your everyday mm regular life otherwise right. it doesn't become worse you don't right. have other injuries don't have other problems it's just eh, i can't do that yeah. one thing i'm okay maybe, maybe that's why yeah. I, I don't have a great reason the other reason like i said it's a much less common injury than a lot yeah. of the other stuff we talk about which is surprising because you know based on the statistics we could uh possibly mri the everybody here at neck of the woods and right. we're gonna see a couple for sure and not even i think know. i got one yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, what do you think? Do you think that uh, wraps it up? Yeah. Uh, good night. Good yeah. talk. Hopefully I didn't, I didn't, I didn't yeah. put too many people to sleep with, the, with some of those details. Yeah. Well, before we go ahead and close out our tab for tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods, of course, for hosting us each and every week, located right here at 614 Lambs Road in Pittman, New Jersey. And as always, our good friends at Timber Reel Productions. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.